0: To our worship for the 24th of January. However you are joining us, whether watching this video or listening on the podcast, welcome and may God bless you through listening to his words and through singing along in your hearts and making merry before the Lord. It's been a bit of a crazy week with floods adding to our lockdown problems We really should start with a psalm or a song that talks about going through deep waters and God sustaining us through the flood but instead let's be a bit more optimistic and we'll sing and think and read and hear about quiet waters and green pastures as we begin by listening to the very well-known and very welcome words Now let's listen to this psalm in the words of the Stuart Townend version of The Lord's My Shepherd.
1: The Lord's my shepherd I'll not want He makes me lie in pasture Me by the still, still waters, his goodness restores my soul, and I will trust in in you, and I will trust. goodness will lead me home. For your endless mercy. For your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will
0: let's use the words of this psalm to guide us as we pray. These particular words are adapted from a prayer by an American minister called Scotty Smith whose daily prayers are often a blessing to me. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, you are my shepherd, my good shepherd. You give me everything I need, and more than I want. All I need in life is you, plus what you choose to give me. Even the most difficult places in life are like green meadows, as long as you are there. And in the desert seasons of my journey and the drought-like conditions of my heart, you quench my thirst with living water and give me a peace that passes all understanding. When I come to the end of my strength, you faithfully meet me there, granting me rest in my weariness and strength for my tired heart and body. I'm so grateful that you are leading me in the way I should go, that you yourself are my way, my truth and my life. Jesus, you never promised me that my journey would be easy or without seasons and circumstances that are overwhelming. But you have promised never to leave or forsake me, even in the darkest valley. That's all I really need to know that you are close and that you love me, that you won't let anything happen to me outside of your perfect plan for my life. Lord Jesus, You are taking me to the feast of all feasts, the wedding feast of the Lamb. But long before that day, you yourself are my portion, my banquet and my feast. Bread from heaven, my nourishment and satisfaction. As I take this time to think about you, to think about your calling and your presence in my life, I pray that you will reassure me and humble me. Reassure me that I am always held in your love and humble me that my response to you is so weak and wavering. Forgive my coldness of heart and draw me again into joyful fellowship with you through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, We pray your kingdom come and our theme today is The Call of the Kingdom. Let's think about that call as it's expressed in a song by Keith and Kristen Getty sung and played for us by Adrian Pallant. Hear
2: the call lift your eyes to the king let his song rise within you as a fragrant offering of how god rich in mercy came in christ to redeem all who trust in his unfailing grace hear the call of the kingdom to be children of light The mercy of heaven, the humility of Christ, walking justly before him, loving all that is right, that the life of Christ may shine through us. King of heaven, we will answer the call. Filled with power to proclaim Salvation in Jesus' name Hear the call of the kingdom To reach out to the lost With the Father's compassion In the wonder of the cross Bringing peace and forgiveness and a hope yet to come let the nations put their trust in him king of heaven we will answer the call we will follow bringing hope to the world filled with passion filled with power to proclaim salvation does
0: Let's hear our reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 14 to 20, The Calling of the First Disciples. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. May God bless his reading and the lessons we draw from it. Maybe it's just me and I apologise for this, but I find it hard to listen to that reading without thinking of the magic roundabout. I remember in school when I was about 14 or 15 and we had quite formal assemblies so you can imagine about 800 boys and all boys school all sitting in an auditorium with the headmaster in his robes and there would be a reading from the Bible and this passage was read and as soon as the words came out. The son, the sons of Zebedee. There was this distinct, loud voice from the back of the hall that simply said, Boing! The whole place erupted. Of course, the headmaster had no idea what was going on. You boys, just calm down, just quiet down. That was the kind of school it was. School comes... Uh, features a little bit later on in this story so that's my excuse for using that little anecdote right up front but let's get to the real point the good news and the first point that we see here the first obvious thing that stares us right in the face is the good news is for everyone the gospel is good news a new relationship with a loving God entered into through repentance and faith, turning round to put God first in our lives. For everyone, it says Jesus came proclaiming the good news. He didn't just whisper it in a corner. He didn't just pull a few people on one side and say, by the way, here's a message for you, but don't spread it around. He proclaimed the truth. We see this again and again. Jesus said later on in in his ministry we read in Matthew he stands up and he says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest everyone come to me it's open to you he teaches publicly in the crowded uh, temple precincts during one of the great feasts he stands up and says in a loud voice if anyone is thirsty let them come to me and drink. You see that in John chapter seven. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is entirely God's initiative. We couldn't invent or imagine a way in which we could become right with God. We can't do anything to make ourselves more acceptable or more worthy of his grace the very word grace means unmerited favor we cannot merit it in any way but we do have to respond to his call and this story gives us an idea about what it means to hear the call of god and to respond now jesus was passing by the shore of the lake of galilee where the fishermen were all at work and He sees these four, Simon and Andrew, James and John. And he calls them two by two to be his followers. Now, this wasn't the first time that they'd come across Jesus. There is a background to this story. We read in John chapter 1 about Andrew being a follower of John the Baptist. And after Jesus appears, John points to Jesus, indicating him to Andrew, and says, look, the Lamb of God. Now, Andrew and another unnamed disciple then go after Jesus. They call him Rabbi, which indicates that they were seeking for him to become their teacher, to become disciples of his. Andrew goes and finds his brother Simon and brings him to Jesus Jesus says to him you are Cephas which means Peter and of course this is looking ahead to the time later on when Jesus would say once again you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church so Peter and Andrew certainly and maybe James and John had spent time already with Jesus, had heard him, had learned something about who he was even if they weren't very clear yet about what the whole destiny of the gospel and the, the good news was going to be. There are a number of examples in the ministry of Jesus and in the story of the good news where people were prepared and took time and thought about their decision to follow Jesus. Nicodemus is one example. In John chapter three, we read that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a ruler. He would have been a very well taught Bible scholar. And he came to Jesus by night and he inquired about what the good news was all about. Jesus takes time to explain to him about the spirit and about the workings of God and about the need to be born again. He answers Nicodemus's questions, he explains things to him. Nicodemus presumably goes away and thinks about this. And we find that after the crucifixion Nicodemus is one of those who go and seek permission to take Jesus' body for burial. So he'd obviously come to faith, however long it took. Philip, the disciple, uh, one of the deacons, was used as an evangelist. And he was taken off by the Spirit to meet somebody on a journey from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. This man, an Ethiopian official, uh, was a God-fearer. He'd been up to Jerusalem to worship he was now traveling back and he was reading from the book of isaiah and he was trying to bring himself closer to god and understand the message of god to him philip says do you understand what you're reading and the ethiopian says well how how can i unless somebody explains it to me so philip takes the time to explain and to point out to him uh, who Jesus was, that the person he was reading about in Isaiah was the Messiah who suffered and who died and who brought good news to the world. The Ethiopian gets it straight away and says, well, what's to stop me committing my life even now and being baptised? Philip says, nothing at all. And so he's baptised. He goes on his way, Philip goes on his way. But there was a background to it. He was someone who had spent maybe years seeking God. Some of us are in that situation. Some of us maybe have been around for a long time and have some understanding and acquaintance with the Bible and with worship and we've heard sermons. But there comes a time when it starts to mean something to us. When somebody just guides us into the way and says, look, here's the time to make that commitment. But not every call comes with this kind of background. Famously, Saul, the persecutor of the church, was accosted by Jesus as he was riding from Jerusalem to Damascus to continue his persecutions he was thrown down from his horse blinded by the light and heard the voice of Jesus why are you persecuting me I am Jesus whom you are persecuting we talk in our everyday language now about a Damascus Road experience when we're talking about someone who all of a sudden has a complete change of ways and and suddenly sees something and goes in a different direction. Now, my own personal story was much more like that, really. I'd never heard the gospel when I was a 15-year-old lad. I'd been to church on odd occasions uh, on a Sunday night with my dad. We went to the local parish church. They were quite special, those Sunday nights we'd go along to this dimly lit gothic church with just a few people scattered around and the echoing of these strange words all around the pillars and then we'd walk home in a quite a subdued mood and we'd have beans on toast and watch Sunday night at the London Palladium. Great memories when I was 15, one day I was waiting for a bus home from school. Uh, a couple of friends were there at the bus stop and I started to listen in to what they were talking about. And one of my good friends, Steve, was talking earnestly to another friend and saying, Why don't you come along tonight? It's going to be really good and it's well worth hearing. I never, I never used to go out much except once a week to Scouts. Um, so anything that sounded like a night out was of some interest. It turned out it was the Empire Theatre. It turned out it was something called an evangelistic campaign. Uh, It didn't sound fascinating, but then the magic words were spoken. Some of the girls from church are going to be there. Well, I'd spent from the age of seven right up to that age of fifteen in all boys' schools and so girls were a, a very strange creature to me and the idea of actually meeting some had had its attractions. So the conversation continued on continued on the bus and I said nothing just listened in and then as I got off the bus I had having heard the arrangements meet at seven o'clock at the Punch and Judy by Lime Street station I can see some heads nodding they remember that as I got off the bus I just said I'll see you there tonight then all right said Steve and then did a double take what I heard later on that he'd rung round his friends from church and said you'll have to pray there's this guy coming from school I didn't invite him but he wants to come and I think he's gonna just disrupt it and make fun of it so please pray I've got to say my uh, reputation in school wasn't that great at the time I uh, even at the age of 15 I was foul-mouthed I'd taken up smoking again to try and be part of the crowd And I was quite obsessed with our lunchtime gambling sessions. I was quite good at brag, three-card brag and five-card poker. and a bit of dinner money that way. So I can understand that Steve was not that pleased that I might come along and destroy all his hopes of bringing this other guy to faith. Well, we met up, we went into the Empire Theatre and the man speaking, Eric Hutchings, well, as I'm thinking about it now, kind of Arthur Lowe comes to mind. He, he kind of looked like uh, a portly, bespectacled, kind of middle-class bank manager. Um, very much of his time and the songs, the choir, it was all exactly what I was uh, into at the time, being a budding uh, muso. But when he started speaking, Wow as Klopp would say. It was as if there was just this laser beam from his eyes to mine. And my whole being just became suffused with a kind of attention and a and a warmness. I don't know what it was, it's so hard to describe. But when he said, if you want to know Jesus, come down, I just turned straight round to Steve and said, Shall we go down? I didn't even realise at that time that he was a Christian. It hadn't really clicked and um, I knew nothing. But yeah, let's go down, said Steve. So I went down, I was counselled and talking to a guy afterwards who counselled me, apparently I was very, very cool and very unemotional. And I heard the verses that were spoken. Yes, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. Yes, I do want Christ to be my saviour. Yes, I commit my life to him now and I did it I prayed I walked out and just was hit by this sense that I was born again now I knew nothing about what that meant and I've spent the rest of my life trying to figure out the implications of it trying to understand what happened how God could love me that much what his purposes are for my life but I I responded I heard the voice of God and I just as the disciples did I just got up and followed him so back to our story Jesus seeks out Peter and Andrew James and John and challenges him they were at their daily work as fishermen and he speaks to them in those terms follow me and I will make you fish for people I must admit, I prefer the older version, I will make you fishes of men, because you can always laugh at the uh, the misheard Sunday school lyrics, I will make you vicious old men. Anyway, they've spent time with him. They've heard his words. They've seen something of his character. They've been pointed towards him by John the prophet. Now is their time to decide. And their response, as we said, was immediate. They left their nets. They left their father with the hired men. and remember, at this stage all they had to respond to was some sense that Jesus was a prophet, a teacher. Maybe he was the chosen one, whatever that would mean. Over the next three years, they'd gradually discover the secrets that he was indeed the Christ, the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. They'd gradually discover and have unfolded to them not just that he was a teacher but he was the saviour that he'd come as a sacrifice they gradually understood his mission and his purpose with many stumblings along the way and occasions when like Peter they grabbed him and said no this isn't the way we do it how much more should we today with a full picture of who Jesus is and what he's done be ready To leave everything and follow him. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Around now many Methodist churches would be holding their annual covenant services at which we're encouraged to recommit ourselves to being disciples of Jesus. My membership card arrived in the post just this morning. Here are just a couple of sentences from that service. I'm no longer my own, but yours. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. These words echo many similar expressions in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians it says, You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Paul says in Galatians, It's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My response to God's call was the same as that of the disciples. I didn't know a lot about Jesus or the Gospel or the Bible but I would spend my life finding out. It was the start of a journey of learning to know God. Now it says, Peter, Andrew, James and John followed Jesus. It's a simple word, but one which is full of meaning. Disciple, calling yourself a disciple sounds a bit religious, a little bit pompous maybe, a bit overblown. But you can feel quite happy calling yourself a follower of Jesus. What's it mean to follow? First, it means that you want to go where the person ahead is going do we really want to live the life that god's calling us to second a guide is much better than a set of directions we did a a walk one time one of our better ones when we were in india we decided to go up to the source of the ganges river which is about 13,000 feet up. It was April, it was Easter time. Uh, Everything looked reasonably okay, but wisely we engaged a guide and we needed that guide because he knew the little place we could go just off the path where we could get some food from uh, a Hindu hermit who lived there. And he also knew the way through when all the snow and ice came down and he knew where we could stay at an ashram when we arrived uh, in a blizzard uh, with icicles three feet long hanging down from the wall and nowhere to sleep. A guide is much better than a sense of direction, a set of directions. Third, it means you trust that they know the way. Jesus lived the life of a human passed through grief and death. He's a trustworthy guide in any circumstances. Fourth, you're confident that they will not lead you into danger without leading you out again. We read in the psalm earlier on, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. I've got a guide. And fifth, For a guide to be of any use to you, you have to commit to staying close. Walking in the same pathway, facing the same difficulties and arriving together at the destination. You watch the steps of the guide. You listen to his voice. You do what you're told and you go where he goes. Following Jesus is a life of obedience. Have you heard God's call? whoever and wherever we are whatever our age or circumstances jesus meets us where we are and calls us day by day to follow him let's respond to that call in his name amen i will offer my life
1: in spirit and truth pouring out the oil of life as my worship to you. In surrender I must give my So faithful a friend, to so loving a King, Savior, what can be said? What can be sung as a praise of Your name for the things You have done? Oh, my words could not tell, Lord. I heart You deserve my every breath For you've paid the great cost Giving up your life to death Even death on a cross took all my shame away and defeated my sin, opened up the gates of heaven and have beckoned me Jesus, what can I give, what can I bring to so faithful a friend, to so loving a King? Savior, what can be said? What can be sung as a praise of Your name for the things you Jesus? What can I give, Jesus? What can I
0: pray for the needs of others. I'm going to offer four short prayers and leave some space for you to continue them in your own words. First we pray for our families and those close to us, for those we know who have health issues, for families locked up together in hard situations. Keep them in your love, O Lord. We pray for all those who are following Jesus. For those who find it hard to keep going, whose faith is challenged. For those who are suffering persecution, for those who are serving God with all their heart and strength. Uphold and sustain them, O Lord. We pray for the government and services in this country for those who face hard decisions and extraordinary challenges, for health and care services, for the sick, the homeless and the insecure. Give wisdom and strength, O Lord. And we pray for the world. We pray for the incoming President Biden and his new administration. We pray for the immense challenges of poverty, climate change and political instability. We pray for the gospel to reach every tribe and nation and bring light to the world. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, O Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We finish now with a hymn of commitment. O Jesus, I have promised. There are a couple of tunes for this great hymn, but here's one I prepared earlier. In our hymn books, there's generally only four verses, but the last verse, which is often missed out, is particularly relevant to the idea of following in Jesus' footsteps, so I've included it here. O Jesus, I have promised to serve you to the end. O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Be thou forever near me, my master and my friend. I shall not fear the battle if thou art by my side, nor wander from the pathway if thou wilt be my guide. Oh let me feel thee near me, the world is ever near, I see the sights that dazzle, the tempting sounds I hear, my foes are ever near me, around me and within, but Jesus draw thou nearer, and shield my soul. Passion, the murmurs of self-will who oh, speak to reassure me To hasten or control Speak and make me listen Thou guardian of my soul Oh, Jesus, thou hast promised To all who follow in glory there shall thy servant be and Jesus I have promised to serve thee too. followed duly is in thy strength alone oh guide me call me draw me uphold me to the end and then in heaven receive me my Savior Whether the path ahead be clear or dim. May we see your footsteps and may we follow with joy and confidence. Lead us Lord through the dark valleys and into the green pastures. In Jesus name, Amen. <music>